Hello, and welcome to another West March Guys podcast. I'm JT. And I'm Joe. And that's it. Yeah, today we're going to do a two brothers episode. We're, you know, winding down and thought we'd do a couple of two person hosting. So uh, we were trying to think of topics and we thought, wow, what better to talk about than each other and how we've come and our backgrounds and how different styles we are. We're going to get into how we started playing with Magic the Gathering, tabletop RPGs, and how we got into D&D and eventually the West Marches and then what our future for D&D may hold. In the beginning, I think if we go way back to what high school years, that was probably when I first touched on. It was before, uh, I think. What was it? I guess, no, for tabletop. No, it was tabletop. Yeah, yeah. Table for me was high school. Like fantasy was probably always. I, I don't know. I think I've always flirted with fantasy, but tabletop. It was being at a band bus and someone being like, "You want to play vampire?" And at the time, I was like, "I have no idea what this even is." And they're like, "Here's a character sheet. We're going to try and fill it out." And I was like, "Okay." We basically had finished the character sheet creation by the time I think we got to the festival and then they did the thing. And then I think we tried to play on the way home and I barely had any idea what was going on. And it was just, it, it seemed fun. And I was like, I want to do this again. And then I think after that, I flirted with a few other things. I ended up buying the Hunter White Wolf book, reading the entire thing, determined to run a campaign of still to this day i haven't run it we should so. still run a campaign for me if some we got to find a book is what we got to. i don't i have to find the book that's the I thing know. i don't even know sure where you can it get went. online or something i could i don't want to buy it again that's the thing i know it's somewhere it's probably I want to play it so bad it's so cool i gotta dig through my dad's attic and see if it's somewhere in there because it, it's probably stuffed in something somewhere and i'm sure it is that's that's where i started and i touched on i i think i played one game of your lord of the ring thing but i'll let you kind of like <laughs> yeah I mean, so to go way, way back, I mean, me and Joe played Magic the Gathering when we were kids, kids, and we didn't understand the rules, really, and we'd get into fights with it, and <laughs> our parents, though they never said, like, no magic, I think they used, like, they we kind of grew up in a more Catholic household, and we would fight over the magic cards, and they'd be like, this is what you get when you use magic, you know, and she threw half our cards out. So that kind of stopped <laughs> for a little bit, and then when we got, I got into eighth grade, I started reading The Hobbit, and I loved it, and, like, that's right around, like, Lord of the Rings was coming out. So that pushed me to my first tabletop RPG. High school, Joe, you know, did this vampire thing. He was a couple years ahead of me, and uh, I got on the hook. I thought it was cool. I wanted to play. I was super intimidated by the people that played and the rules. I went out and bought the Mage book, and I wanted to read it because my brother got the Hunter book, so I wanted to get one. And I think it got stolen. I never found it. I, I brought it to school one day because I was excited and gone. So I didn't play at all, and then my friend wanted to start a Lord of the Rings rpg and i got that book and i read it from front to back and i built a character i built like three characters and me and my friends would build them and he actually like it was my first time playing a tabletop we would sit in my room he'd bring out his drawn out pieces of paper for our battles and me and my friends would try to catch wargs and try to train them and role play and roll dice and i loved it and i did that and then we kind of went separate directions i was like a summer and then i didn't play for a long time i mean i played magic again through the years but it wasn't until you know you guys started my roommate wanted to play the gve game that my brother was in that i was like oh, i need to play D and uh that kind of brought me to playing with these guys i mean it was it was a it was a long road but i'm glad we did it and i can't believe how far we've come joe really yeah it's funny to think about especially considering i flirted with them so many times and i never actually understood any of the rules and it was just like uh yeah sure okay finally reading through one of the books i think was really kind of what got me but then i couldn't get anyone to play because it was this whole thing of trying to get people together no one had cars you know, the internet the internet like it now, is now did not exist back then so oh, online God, play no. would never have i don't know i guess we could have done like chat room play but <laughs> i heard it you know you heard about it but i you know i never actually saw it or played it it's exactly. hard to get people together but it was fun when we did 
Um, yeah, it was it was something that I always wanted to do, and I played Magic. I've dipped back and forth into it. I really enjoy the game, but if you want to play competitively, it's so much money, and it's just not. <laughs> it is so much money. It's a, it's a it's a pay to play, and I feel like it's gotten more so over the years, and especially with a lot of the rule changes and the stack changes. I <sighs> mean, you can only spend so much money and play for so long to get beat by someone who spent more money. Yeah, but anyway, that's not what we're here for. We're here for RPGs. For D&D. And, you know, we get into where we started, and I don't think me and Joe both thought we'd ever be running a campaign together when we first started this. I just, when, we, we always talked about it when that first GVE fizzled out. You know, me and my brother are always the ones to step up when people need to get stuff together. So I think we both individually decided to run it ourselves. We I started running this. our own campaign. That was the that, kicker. That's what it was. And, and not maliciously, we both just had ideas of what we wanted to do, I think, and yeah. saw how someone else did it and said, oh, we could do this. And exactly. well, you know, it's, we play so different. It's funny how if we're having, I mean, I know when we were starting, we were doing the same things. We read the same books. Like we, we both probably read the DMs guide front to back. Yep. So, but we then played and, in the same groups, but that's funny. He, he played on the evil good side and I played on the evil side. So we were together, but we weren't together. Right. But the same DM, just, just totally different experiences. If, totally uh, different experiences. The, the good, I think what happened was, and it taught me a really valuable lesson about not playing with nine people at the table at the same time, because that was what the good side ended up being. And it was torture. So, yeah you couldn't get through anything and how were you supposed to know that no it's hey that's the most valuable lesson i learned from that game is keep your table size small and people will have a better time because we'd always hear stories of the evil side having so much fun and i'd be like what the fuck it's because they only had like four or five people at the table at a time it was just this <laughs> i yeah that's I, and i really enjoyed when you came up with the west march mindset and i really wanted to run my own game so bad i had such grandeur plans and i was listening to so many podcasts and i was trying to learn and oh how i didn't know what i was doing it's i mean i feel that <laughs> i still don't know what i'm doing and i mean yeah, we both true. i know matt coville was a big influence for both of us you, like you pushed him on me and i don't know why I, I fought it for so long and i listened to one how to run the game so you want a dm and i was just 80 episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I listen. I don't know if I've caught up on his latest stuff, but I listened to all of the stuff he put out before he turned into the his CDM productions. Yeah, I, up until then, I listened to probably everything, and I need to go back and listen to the rest of his stuff because he's always his his idea of how to, the game is supposed to be played is always so been, much to light that I didn't realize I was supposed to be bringing to light. If that makes it, any sense at all. Yeah, it like really, the underlying conflicts and political battles and things of that nature that really kind of turned me on to a lot of cool stuff. And how players work. I think that was always my favorite part was when he would got, get onto. Like, I know he did a thing on what different player types there are out there. And I still, to this day, think about it. Like, there's the director and the... Oh, yeah, the player types. I mean, that, just that just that idea that you're not alone. And These people things don't. have happened before. Exactly. And people come to the table with different different ideas. Like, Expectations. Not, not everyone sitting at your table is wanting the same exact thing out of the game. Some people want to just hang out and just listen to the game and they'll roll when they have combat and that's it. Some people want to be the guy. They want to be the man in charge. I was talking with Ali about this yesterday that it seems like a way of thinking about campaigns would be to actually have people be like, okay, we're going to roll, we're going to build characters and someone's going to pick, someone's going to be the main character for the first story arc and everyone else is going to play supporting characters that's such a we'll good idea because go. you you kind of i mean i think anyone who's played you have that player or that character at the table that kind of takes on that 
and I'm not saying the entire campaign, but like at least for different sessions, you have different people that might play the like one unquote main character. Someone who wants to step up, take the main role of the, the group. And it's good to have. I mean, you definitely see it more. And it's funny, like watching new people not want to do it yet. <laughs> and you, you, you see some of the more experienced players kind of be like, okay, well, what's next? Yeah, trying to encourage what the players to, to really be more aggressive. And it's <laughs> which and again, like you said, some people just want to listen, right? And some people want to just be a part of it and make the choices when they have to roll the dice, which is good. It's so true. And I for me, yeah, I look at D and I'm always trying to figure out what ways to get more people to play and more people to be involved and get more sucked into it. So I don't know. I can go round and round. <laughs> I mean, it kind of gets us onto the point, like how we play in our styles and how different we are. Like I used to be so strict on the rules and now we had so many, like I had fights and, and, and hard players and players who were going the opposite direction and pulling the group. And, and I would get so stressed and so worked up over the rules of the game. And I just, I get in fights and it wasn't fun. And I kind of had to ask myself one day, I think I had left my brother's house for a game. I think I'd stormed out or something and walked home. Cause I was like super upset with a choice that had been made in the game. <laughs> I had to like, ask myself why why am i doing this if it isn't fun why am i getting so worked up over something that it's ruining it for me and the people around me so it kind of like i don't know that happened kind of early on and that really drove me to be more let it slide let things go who cares as long as people are having fun and no one's fighting let it go it's so true it's trying to figure out how hard to push the rules because i always want the rules i like i try to follow them as closely as i can but it's that moment where you're just is it worth it should i really be like hey what's your encumbrance right now and people people like conflict and they like tasks to overcome but you you know as long as you fill your group out i guess and consistency is part of it i guess i don't know joe always says to fudge or not to fudge and this is a, a thing we both feel passionate on i i may have fudged some dice in my life and it's never on like a big you know story arc you know if someone's gonna live or die i'm gonna roll it out in the open but it's more like do I really want the cleric to die right this minute? Did I really roll a natural 20 and they're literally going to get smoked and nobody's going to be able to get healed? Or did he roll a 15 and miss this, this hit for once? Th- those kind of things. I've, I've dabbled on it because, I don't know, I don't want to ruin it for people. And some people don't want to die. You know, and they've told me that. And I don't want to ruin their gameplay. So I, I, sometimes I, and I know you've fudged ACs, Joe, and hit points and... Never fudged. I've built uh, I've built monsters specifically with ACs and hit points that are different than what's in the character, the monster manual, because I want the hard the fight to be harder or easier. You've never realized at the start of a fight, like I should have made this guy harder. Looks like it's an eighteen. Like you've never done that. I will add additional characters. That's the one thing I've probably done that maybe I didn't plan for there being six minions. I only assumed there'd be three, but, but there's going to be three more coming through that door. Fair enough. I mean, it, but everything's a, like, it's a, it's a made up game. Like people want it to be challenging and fun. And if they're smoking every character, cause you keep forgetting about the AC, I feel like that's not that big of a deal. I don't know. For me, I roll a dice out in the open. I started doing it because people kept thinking I was taking it easy on them, and I just roll like garbage all That's the right, time. That's right, you did. Constantly. Like and they're like, oh, why are you taking it so easy on us, Joe? I'm like, literally, I'm, this is the dice that I'm rolling. You can see. And I was finally like, fine, I'll roll out in the open, and you will see all of the fives and sixes I roll. Every roll he does literally, is outside of the screen. Every yep, single one roll. I refuse to roll behind it because it's for me. I the game is a game of chance i want to see what happens and for me there's always ways of working around it if i kill a character usually i early on in a campaign i'll introduce a cleric that can bring them back so if they as long as they don't wipe the entire party which i haven't yet, yet to happen i almost did i was so close in this new new like season two where the west marches were doing i was so close and it was just if they hadn't realized stepping outside of the area the ghost couldn't follow them it, i would have wiped the party but one <sighs> of them realized it 
because they just ran away and i was like well okay so like the ghost hit the threshold and couldn't move and they were just and i was like hey look at that you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> i didn't kill all of you but it was like this class because i possessed one and the challenge rating was way Dude, too high for the party possessed, possessed creatures are hard if you don't have a cleric for turn undead uh, yeah hard. exactly because you have to kill them yeah you have to kill a character you know I, you party think, has to kill your own character and then god forbid they get into somebody else <laughs> you know, it's, it's like I learned that, man. I put a, a Wraith in like early on in one of my campaigns. I, I think I put like two and I was like supposed to have a third one come out. And I was like, nope, <laughs> these guys are going to die. <laughs> I had both of the ghosts like come out at once because they seemed like they were handling it. And then I was like, I probably should have had one come out later on. But <laughs> what are you going to do? It is what it is. If I wipe the whole party, then hey, everyone makes new characters. Hey, or, hey we've never had a TBK. There's got to be a first time for everything. I, exactly. It, it's not <laughs> on my so to-do cool. list, but. It may happen one day, and I don't know. It's it's that hard part of, for me, the game is a game. You're trying to play the game so the dice matter, how you make your moves, what you do, how you strategize, because, I don't know, combat's always so pure for me Yeah, that I, I want to see what happens. I want to see how well it goes. And it, if, if the world wants you to die, then I don't know. <laughs> but it's also, I'm of the belief that if you kill a player, it's the DM's fault. It is totally oh, your sure. fault. Yeah, There's no... The player made a bad move. It's like, no, it's the DM's fault, period. Yeah, because you don't have to kill the player. That's what, I mean, that's what I'm talking about, fudge or not to fudge, right? Like, there's a, a line in the game, I feel like, not to quote Matt Kovo like we always do, but that, that war game he was talking about where the best runners were the ones who didn't always go with the dice roll. They went with what would make the most sense. And letting people make... I, I have a bad habit of making people roll for stuff they don't need to roll for, too. And that's my own fault. I, I, I jump on something too quick and I, sometimes I should just be like, no, you just see that. You don't need to roll for that. Not everything's a chance, right? You're looking at, you're standing out in the open and you're looking at a tree. Of course you see the tree. I don't need, you're not going to roll to see the tree. So that's something, and maybe I wouldn't have to do any fudging if I just didn't have them roll as much as kind of let them win or lose, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I try not to, I try to, especially not in combat, I try to only roll if I don't know what the outcome is going to be or if it actually is a chance. I like to have an idea in my head before I make them roll of what a pass and a fail is going to be and what they're going to get if they pass or fail. So, and a lot of times now I, I just say the DC right when they roll so they know if they've succeeded or failed, which is probably not the best thing in the world, but. You know, nothing's the best thing if your players, but if your players don't mind it, who cares? As long as people are having fun. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, there's always the debate between me and you of what's better. And we kind of touched on this role player combat. Yeah. I mean, I just like the role play because I don't know, I guess it goes back to the, the fighting and not wanting to kill a player. Like I don't mind combat. It, one, we play shorter sessions. We do more often shorter sessions, which is good. But combat, if you're doing combat, that's the session usually because it, as long, unless you're making it easier, quick, if you're doing any kind of difficult combat, there's an hour and a half. You're gonna have a half hour RPG before or after. And two, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's less. Then I don't have to. Then they just let them do what they want, and they can create the story themselves. And then when a DC pops up to see if they see something, it's like okay, you know. Then it's not so much. It, it's them rolling, and they know if they did well or not. Like you can always tell when someone's proficient. Like I don't. Even, sometimes I don't even have to make a DC. They're just like, oh well, fourteen, you know, or like they're like, oh, fifteen plus seven, you know, I'm good at this. So you know, you can always go off of how they feel about their role too. I, I don't know. I like to be more loosey goosey now. Yeah, for me, that, I think that's why I like combat so much is because it is so structured and there's so many rules and it's just so... Everyone knows how combat works, at least for the most part. Though I don't know how many times I'm watching players and I'm like, you know, you can disengage. 
like in my head, but I'm trying not to say anything because I don't want to tell them how to play, but they're in this situation. They're trying to figure out how to get out of it. I'm like, oh, there's so many ways to do this, but I know you're not thinking about all of them because obviously you're focused on the fact that you're at three hit points and you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's the other thing. When, when does, when to talk and when not to talk? Like when it's to- new players, I'm more apt to talk. The more experienced players, I try to keep my mouth shut because for me, it's the, it's not that I want to make it harder for them, but I want them. To, well, this was, I want to see what they do. The discussion of the the would-haves and could-haves. Like, have you done that every time in combat? Do you normally rage or disengage afterwards or hide because you're is, is that something you typically do? And then you're sitting to me and go, oh, I don't have a bonus action. I guess I'm done. And you're like, hide. You know, like that. That's when I feel like it's more okay to bring it up to them because it's not them. It's not their character forgetting to do that. It's the player forgetting to do that. If that makes sense. I'll definitely, if I see that they're in a really rough situation, oftentimes I'll just kind of like hint at it because it's like, I don't want to kill the players. So if there's something you could do that would very quickly change your pers- yeah. your current predicament, then it might be like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get away. And it'd be like, just so you know, there are actions you can take as part of your turn that include the disengaged dash and this action. Just and it's just it like... <laughs> <laughs> just so there's those are the types of things where people are like oh man i don't know how many times i've seen people who are like a fighter and they're so used to swinging their sword at someone and then the creature's flying and they're like i don't know what to do and be like you have a bow and arrow on your inventory oh i have a bow and arrow <laughs> on my inventory because i don't want the player to just sit there i don't know i guess i stand there yeah. it's like <laughs> exactly i mean you gotta give I, an I know you never used it but it's there <laughs> you have it oh if i can't <laughs> run away i'm gonna get hit you don't take it you can disengage what you can disengage oh 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 okay you're too close to seven people you don't want to take seven attacks of opportunity there's a rule for that i like from and that's another thing is always trying to get into the rules in terms of chase mechanics is always that one i is the worst for me because oh my baddie got away okay i'm well that's what i do i'm like hold on let me go get it because i can't i never memorize these rules and it's like okay so you guys are going to try and chase down this person that i really want to get away okay we're going to have a chase scene we're just going to consistently roll constitution checks over and over again it's so exciting you joke but it goes quick though here's the thing like when you tell somebody like okay well i want to see if i can do this okay you waste an action you fall 60 more feet behind they're like what you're chasing him he is running so you can sit here and make constitution checks and see if you can catch up to him or not but that goes quick well usually when they say that when they're like yeah we're gonna do it i'm like okay another minute let's see if we can do it another minute let's see if we, you know like and then usually by then oh i'm gonna try and do this or come up with a new idea or give up so i don't feel like it's too sloggy when we do chase at least when i did it it's yeah it is it's just not as engaging as yeah you don't have that many choices you have run or don't run that's so and for me it's like i just why not just let him go <laughs> But they're determined. They want to capture him and interrogate you want him. So. Him go. He must know something. When really, I just I, didn't write his backstory. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, that's the that's what always gets me. It's just those types of things or things coming up. I'm also so bad with the money system in D and D. How much? Well, I, everything is it, gold. <laughs> Breaking down to copper and silver is just so minute to me. And I just, I know that's how much they're supposed to be earning at level five or level two is not two gold, but six silver. And it's like, okay, well, you can't buy that plate yet. It's hard with the inconsistency of the West Marches with gold too. Cause they have so much time during the week and their downtime that they, their influx of gold can go from 10 to 60 in between one session. So it's like, okay, you know, so I just, it's not that we don't follow it. It's just encumbrance, things like that. Just don't, it's just a different st- play style, really. Like we should really write down our rules, like what a Westmarch play style, what you should focus on and what you shouldn't focus on. It'll be the next, the next podcast is yeah. what to and what not to. It, and travel will be the ultimate debate in that one because I got, I we had to do a mini session to tighten up because I forgot how far two cities were. And they're like, we have two weeks of downtime. And I was like, damn it. 
I should travel is always one of those ones that is so hard to deal with for me in general because is it worth it or not at low level it's like one of those things that people usually want i don't think they want but they expect and travel at higher levels is like okay there's a bugbear again oh boy okay here's two seconds of combat while we just unload on this thing as opposed to at lower level like one owl bear is gonna wreck the party so that and, and I think they want more encounters on the road, which is something I have to get better at. Non-combat encounters. And I know we recently did this, and you did it too with the the hostage situation. But tra- I mean, yeah, like you said, to travel, not to travel. Like that's your session, right? I mean, we have two three-hour sessions, so that's your session, right? You want to do a travel montage? That's what they're doing because that's your two hours. Because again, the two encounters in a conflict, and then they're at the city. And all right, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> That's the thing. And that's one of the comments I get back about the West March style is we feel like we lose out and things feel rushed. So trying to not let things feel rushed, you almost have to start doing things like travel and you want to have them have to deal with certain aspects of it. But for me, the other thing is like in a civilized world, not which is kind of like a 50-50 on what the West March style is. Some people look at it as like the Wild West sort of thing where you go out and there's nothing and that's why it's a West March is that you're constantly exploring. But the way we play, it's a civilized world. So there's roads. So going from one city to the next is a common occurrence for people. It's not every day that someone goes from one side of the continent to the other and has to fight their way through the whole thing. There's people patrolling it, maybe, or there's just... I mean, there's a road, right? I mean, there's travel. People hire guards. Like, people, like they're not going to mess with you because they don't want you to mess with them. Exactly. You might get that one group or you might get an encounter out on the road that has to deal with it. Or you might, you know, one night... It's not just all lawless bandits (laughs) and bugbears roaming the streets. (laughs) <laughs> that's for me with travels i guess if you're in an area where it was really contested if they ever go traveling into like harsh mountain terrain okay I'll probably be more focused on what the travel looks like but in terms of just going from city to city we just did one where they wanted to play out the travel because they got a guard and they wanted to question him so instead of running out an entire session of just travel i just opened a chat and i was like all right you have him what do you ask him and i just played it out while we were working one day so that we didn't have to run a whole session but they can still get that feel of interrogating somebody down the road i think it worked out well people liked it that's stuff i want to do more of is playing outside of the game which is something that's always so tricky is trying to figure out but it's fun so joe what's next new rpgs different rpgs that's always been my that's always my push is trying to get people to play something other than D, which is impossible because we spent all this time teaching people the rules and learning how D works so everyone is so comfortable with it which is great and it makes games so easy to put together but now people are like i don't want to play anything else i can do everything in D, and it's like but there's games that are better there's different games new games there's fun games games that'll do things that you didn't even know were possible and that's always i've talked before i've run mouse guard that was Definitely, I enjoyed the system of it, but it was definitely not a game that people expected because I was like, you guys want to play little mice that fight things? And people were like, oh yeah, but it's like actually like really gritty mice who have to constantly be fighting the environment. And it, the system is really cool, but the people wanted to play cute mice that, you know, just did things. But it was like, That's your cool. combat in that game is like, oh, you fight a badger. One of you is probably going to die. Just FYI. Really? I mean, pretty much. The combat system is, especially when you're first starting, it is really hard to... It's really great. You're a mouse. You're a mouse with a little (laughs) fucking sword. Like, obviously, everything is going to be hard to take down. They have, like, rules for taking down a moose, but it takes, like, an entire army of mice. Like, (laughs) army. And you assume people are going to, they're going to lose them. But 
it's, that's crazy that sounds fun but they had a, it was based on a comic i read the comic it was really cool like it, i would love to run it again but i don't think I, anyone here would want to play it so maybe some someday i'll do it for a convention or something we've been talking about how this west watches are winding down a little bit people play obviously and we're not going to stop anytime soon there will be a day when we go to switch it up i think i'm ready to play something new too i want to play vampire again i want to play hunter i want to play vampire i want to play i want to play something more gritty rpg like darker like I think that'd be fun. I mean, the South Marches is really taking off, so that's going to kind of, I think, a lot of people moving that. I found a lot of people that used to play with us are all running their own games now, which is great, and I think that's fantastic. That's have, a lot, and it's cool. We we brought a lot of new people into this world, I hope. Yeah, so I think it's we also need to bring in more new people. I keep trying to like pull in those people who keep hanging around on the fringes and being like, what is it going to take to get you to play? I'm determined to get Ellie's dad to play. That's going to be yeah, next. Yeah, one, one of these days. I mean, we got nothing but time, right? Exactly. So Nothing but time. Well, yeah. Thanks for listening to another West March Guys podcast and listening uh, to me and my brother ramble. Hopefully you enjoy this episode. We I was going to say, if you didn't put it in the Facebook and we won't do it again. Yeah, j- you can talk crap to us. Just send us something, anything. We don't care. It's so hard knowing what you guys want without you telling us. So we're going to keep making different things until someone is, is like, good. we want more of this and we want less of that. Which is fine. Either way, um, <laughs> I think the next podcast might be AJ and John. We're not sure. We, we might switch things up. Who knows? It'll be, we're going to be doing two people ones for a little while. It's just to give some of us a break and to hopefully give you guys some new perspectives and new ideas of what we can offer. Yeah. Just ideas are out there. Twitter's still up. Spicy things are on Instagram for AJ. We have the West March guys at gmail.com. We'll do another questions one. We did one already do and we one. don't, don't listen to them. We don't have thousands. We have zero. So send them. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, also, Facebook, check us out. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you didn't think. Tell us what you want. Questions. I check it every day Literally to make sure that there's still no... Ni- and I'll, I'll be like, oh, someone listens. Cool. <laughs> See ya. Thanks, guys. Stay safe.